Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that that seems to be the decision. All down. Oh. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. Uh, almost feel like I'm breathing oxygen again after a uh, really fun weekend at the Gateway Dirt Nationals. We talk about that more and more coming up, but first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. The United Late Model Rules Alliance has released the 2024 rule book. That alliance, by the way, includes the Jack Seary All-Stars Tour, Nashville Fairground Speedway, Montgomery Speedway, Five Flags, Chris Motorsports Park, and now the Cars Pro Late Model Tour will be using this rulebook with some minor adjustments to fit what they do, so that's pretty cool. A lot of Pro Late Models across the country all going to be under one un umbrella. Big news announced today, Gio Ruggiero, the ASA CRA Super Series champion from this season, is going to go Arca Menard Series Racing with Venturini Motorsports. He's going to be racing in the Arkham Arts National Series part-time with a full-time East schedule and various West schedule appearances. Remember, he does have an East Series Arca win to his credit, uh, I do believe, back at Nashville Fairground Speedway uh, in 2023. Cole Macedo is joining forces with Jason Johnson Racing to return to the World of Outlaws in the number 41 in 2024. Macedo spent a short amount of time, you'll remember, in the Home Pro Roofing Ride in 2023. A friend of the program, uh, go back and find that episode. Really good conversation. Uh, was it with Cole or Carson? I get him confused. We talked to a Macedo uh, earlier this year. And the application is now available for the Kowicki Driver Development Program. The original link can be found on Racing America uh, and their website, and we'll also have that on our website, horsepowerhappenings.com. And, of course, we know uh, a couple of drivers who participated in that Kowicki Driver Development Program, so a pretty good thing. That's what's happening on Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. Merry Christmas uh, from me to you across the way. Rich France, our final show before the fat man comes with a bag of toys. Yeah, I'm having a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm burping all that pop and water we drank this weekend. Yes. It just won't stop. We were well know? hydrated. That's right. Yes, yes. So a uh, lot of Pepsis, a lot of water. Uh, it takes a couple days to come back down from Gateway, from what they tell me. By the way, this... Or just go right back to it, right? This beer, out of a 10.99 six-pack, tastes just as good as the $9 <laughs> beer at our hotel, and probably better than the $15 beer at the Dome. I just want to clarify that. Yeah, um... <laughs> Now everybody realizes we're stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You you paid what? Well, actually, uh, we do need to say, first and foremost, before we get into this, 
Gateway Dirt Nationals discussion, which we'll do first, um, which is wrong on the script. We'll do this first. Huge thanks to Chris and CNT Services. Uh, without his support, we wouldn't get to do this. And um, really excited uh, about all of the. If you're new here, if you stumbled upon this podcast because of our gateway coverage, which is highly possible because a lot of new people uh, have interacted with our page over the last five days, first of all, welcome. Second of all, thanks to CNT Services. Um, without them, we couldn't have done that, Rich. And uh, also a huge thanks to Cody Bauer and Rusty Schlenk. They kind of let us set up shop in their area. And uh, what what a lot of fun we had this weekend. We did. And, and um, you know, Chris did more than he had to do, right? Um We'll leave it at that. But and I guess he made it official because he asked us, right? So we're coming back with CNT Services in 2024. Sounds like Gateway it. Dirt National. So we got our rookie stripe off. Yellow stripe comes off the back as soon as we got in the car this week. That's right. Next week they're going to cut us loose next year. Oh man, it's going to be scary. Gateway Dirt Nationals, Rich. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We were there for all three days. I think the biggest takeaway for me is. How important track prep is when you have a field that tight, that competitive, and a racetrack that small and that tight? I mean, we're going to talk with Rusty Schlank coming up, and he's going to talk about how important that was. Thursday night, all we heard about from those guys that we were with was if this track was not dry and was not smooth, we could have done a heck of a lot better. Yeah, and... I don't have anything to compare it to really because I've never seen it before. So I'm everything that we saw was first time. Is it normally like this? No. Does it get better? Yes. When? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's what you, that's what you heard. Right. Right. And then, and then, uh, you know, Friday, it was very fast. The first cars on the racetrack were a whole second faster than the cars on the racetrack the day before. And then, um, they seemed to not know when to stop with water on Saturday and they just kept dumping it. And, um, it made for some really good racing when it came feature time. I think too, uh, the, the, the other takeaway for me was Saturday's program. The features were the best races that we saw all weekend long and too many cautions during the qualifier races. They took too long. Um, but then we found out it paid $2,000 to start. Uh, the Gateway Dirt Nationals, and I told Cody Bauer that almost justifies what I saw in the qualifier races. Almost, <laughs> yeah, almost, it was pretty rough. Uh, well, what, we we, we were saw. teasing Cody. We were teasing Cody, you know, and I I was teasing him. I said, "How many how many spoilers and and decking pieces of decking are you going to put on this thing this weekend?" Yeah, he goes, "All of it." Yeah, all of it, and they used every bit of it. And, and they actually got to the last one that they had to replace. They had to fix an old one, like the first or second one that they wrecked, because I think they I think they ran out of new parts. And and like I said, you know, when I talked to Cody, that is if you if you see my saw my interview with Cody on Facebook, um, it's not that he was having a rough time getting around Gateway, but that's where you run at Gateway to be fast, right? And if you're fast, you're going to come back there with the uh, you know uh, a spoiler crushed off, and you got some work to do, you know. I, I try to recall, uh, you know, Friday night, a forgettable night of racing. Let's be honest. It was a uh, single file around the top if they were up there, or it was single file around the bottom, which is usually where they ended up. Um, not great. Friday got a little racy, and we saw some sliders, and we saw some aggression start to come out on Friday. 
And then by Saturday, again, Saturday the best day, and uh, if you missed Thursday and Friday, go back and watch them with your Flow Racing subscription. Um, but Saturday, Rich, Ricky Thornton Jr. was the man who everybody loved to hate inside of that dome this weekend. It started on Friday with anybody but RTJ when he went to victory lane uh, in his qualifier night with the slide job on Chris Simpson where he allegedly parked it on Chris Simpson's nose and then go to Saturday and he wins his qualifier in the modified anybody but RTJ. And then you think RTJ's got an opportunity to do something that's never been done in dome history. He could sweep with both divisions, uh, but Rich, we know ultimately that's not how it played out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought he, he had to start pretty deep. He had to start pretty deep in the field for the late model feature. And uh, he couldn't get going for quite a while. He kind of hung around there about sixth or eighth um, while Brandon Shepard just went out and did his thing, right? Shepard got out front and, you know, he, this he was is on just, Saturday, you're saying? On Saturday, yeah. Yeah, yeah on Saturday. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was like there was 15 to go. And here comes that 20RT. And what a here run. What a oh run my. he had, too. And at the perfect time, too, right as Bishop was getting into lap traffic, RTJ's car just seemed to come to life, didn't it? Yeah. It, 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 the, exactly what was happening was every single corner he picked the right line. Yeah. Shepard had to wait on some people, right? He had to get behind some lap cars. He had he couldn't get in the, in the throttle through the center of the corner. He was waiting. And, you know... Thornton was just ripping it. I mean, he'd go high, low, high, low. He just he had a better time clearing the cars after Shepard had already gotten by them. Which is usually the case. Were, yeah. 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 And then the last two laps, um, Shepard really got caught up in some traffic and Thornton got to his bumper and then backed it in the wall, you know? And I think as much as traffic allowed RTJ to catch B Shep. I think lap traffic is the saving grace for Brandon Shepard at the end because if you go back and watch that video, Rich, Ricky threw a half-hearted slider. If if you want to say there's four lanes on this racetrack, right against the wall, off the wall, off the wall, and up against the wall, Ricky was in that second to third groove with two cars, two lap cars to his inside and tried to slide Shepard. If he has a clear racetrack, you know full well that that is UPS Express next day delivery slide job. And either they both are going to be in the fence, literally, or, you know, Brandon's going to cross him over and they're going to drag race into three. I think that's a saving grace for, for Shepard is that he was in as much lap traffic as he was because Thornton wasn't able to clear the slider. He backed it into the fence, and then he couldn't even set up a run going into three because he got completely blocked by lap traffic. Yeah, and I think it, I think the whole story of that race was – Lap traffic when you hit it, um, and and how you hit the lap traffic. Yeah. Um, and and a lot a little bit of was the caution flags. When the caution flags fell, it saved Brandon Shepard a couple of times from having to work lap traffic, and it gave him a free track once again as the leader in front of him, so he could just go. And that put Thornton back where RTJ had to work through, through cars, work through traffic. Why you know why Bishop could just get out there and run, and I thought that was huge. Well, i got to ask you this. Uh, one of the most electric moments of the night, uh, organically, not where you know DJ and, and Ben had to work the crowd up, 
But one of the most organic electric moments of the night from sitting in the crowd where I was was when everybody realized Thornton is throwing the Hail Mary into one, and if Shepard's going to win, he's got to clear him, or they're both going to be junk. Could you hear the crowd from the infield at that moment? Because from where I was sitting, it was an absolute madhouse as everybody realized what was going to happen. I couldn't hear myself breathing. I couldn't I couldn't hear anything but the crowd. I was looking like, what did I just miss? And I'm watching <laughs> it. And I thought something else had happened, right? Like, what, what did this whole place see that I didn't see? Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm watching, and then I realized that I saw Shepard come down the backstretch and, and um, you know, RTJ coming down with half a race car. Yeah. And that, that was exactly what had happened, you know, because down in that infield, you have so much blocking you, the equipment, the walls. Um, Banners. Y- yeah, banners and everything. It was hard for me to have a clean view all the way around like you did. So you much had a better view of it than I did. I well, just saw the back end of it. Well, it was wild in the stands when everybody realized the race is going to be decided right freaking now. <laughs> this move yeah. right here is going to decide the race, uh, and, and that was really cool. Um, and, and the other part of that was Brandon Shepard, just based on the crowd reaction, was the odds-on favorite uh, amongst the, the, the goers, uh, the fans in the stands. That was who everybody wanted to see to go vic- go to victory lane. Yeah, and green-white checker, right? I mean, he, he led every single one of them. Yep. All, fo- all 40 laps. Never gave up the lead. Started on the outside pole. Took the lead right off the green flag. And only um, two cautions. What a clean yep. race it was, too. Only two caution it, flags. It, I was watching all the racing in the middle because it was so great. Yeah. Uh, you know, they gave Tyler Herb a... a provisional 20th spot or something oh, oh man and, and he got the sixth can you believe that uh, he was I, was wa- I was watching him and he was i mean he he put on a show with that provisional he made good use of it with only two caution flags imagine right. imagine two more after the halfway point what does he do he might be up there uh, battling in contention. You never know. I don't. I don't know. He said. He said he was going to put on a show, and boy, did he ever! But you know, probably one. Of, you said one of your chilling moment. One of your chilling moments for the weekend. Mine was different, and it didn't have anything to do with racing. You you had me down there, and I didn't know how close I was going to get uh, to the driver intros that area. Oh yeah, and and I was standing there, and it was right before intros, and. They started doing Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. Oh, yeah. You got to I take that in. I had chills to the bone. Yeah. All the cell phones and lighters and everything. And it was unbel- it looked like you were indoors looking out at the stars, right? That's yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. And the crowd singing along. And and it was darn near sold out. Let's remind it. Right. right. The, I mean, yeah. packed. They had to open the and fourth level to get everybody in. Yes. I just started taking pictures. I did video. I got a minute and a half of it. I just couldn't believe it. And that pre-race is one of the best pre-races I've seen hands down anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. Well, we'd be remiss if we talked about late models and didn't talk about modifieds. Good show in the modified division, too. You talk about putting on a show. Mike Harrison said, if I'm not going to win the show, I'm going to be the show. That He predicted that, and he was. Uh, he started about mid-pack or so, uh, somewhere around that 10th mark, maybe 8th. Uh, or sixth or something like that, and he had to wheel that 24 car, and wheel it he did, and while he was doing all that, what we like to call race car driving expletive, uh, Drake Troutman was out front on a Sunday drive in that five car, Uh, but when it came down to the wire, Rich, uh, a couple of late race cautions kind of bunched everybody back up, and Mike Harrison just flat could not pass Drake Troutman, 
Um, and I think we saw a little bit of respect for one another there because he had a couple opportunities to throw a dirty slider on Drake and probably take the lead in a dome style, including coming to three and four for the final time. I was really surprised that he didn't airmail it in there. Um, and Drake Troutman wins a really good Dirt Car UMP modified feature. Yeah, he did. And I, I, I kind of kept looking at it, and I was like, you know, if he's going to pull a slider, he's going to have to hit him. Yeah. I don't know how he could have cleared him. Those, as that race went on, it just seemed like the turns got tighter and tighter yeah. and tighter, and and there wasn't enough racing room. And you know, he was there, but Troutman drove a great line, great race, protected himself right by by kind of running where he needed to run. And um, you know, Harrison didn't really have anything for him. The, the last few laps. I mean, he, I, I think he had an idea where he was. I mean, I don't know if they can see the video, but if, if you're watching it, these drivers, if they just glance up, they can see on the screen what's going on. Um, he had to have known that he was right there, but uh, no, Drake Troutman did, did a great job finishing that feature off. The only thing that I couldn't believe was it was a little disappointing for us. Um, our modified guys that we were down there covering. So Chad Bauer, uh, uh, Dylan Nussbaum and Todd Sherman, just couldn't get it right all weekend long. And and you go to any other racetrack and follow these guys, they're running up front, right? Yep. Um, they just, for whatever reason, they just, you know, the goodies weren't with them and they just could not, uh, once they got off the trailer, they just had no luck at all. Yeah. Dylan Newsbaum, the only one really with any luck that weekend making his qualifier or his uh, preliminary night feature. But uh, that was pretty much where the good luck stopped for those three. Rich, uh, again, Thanks to CNT Services for making this possible uh, and our trip to the Gateway Dirt Nationals. It was it was a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to doing it again in 2024. News announced uh, this morning, or this afternoon, rather, that's close to your heart. Flat Rock and Toledo have officially released their 2024 calendar of events. And, Rich, you can tell that there is a new guard in town because there are some cool things going on at Flat Rock and Toledo that we haven't seen in a while, or if, yeah, uh, if, if ever. Yeah. Yeah, a couple couple new events. Well, one one took the year off and came back. Another one they made an adjustment to. We'll start with Flat Rock. Um, back once again, um, ASA CRA Super Series combo event with the Jags All Stars All Stars Tour. They'll uh, they'll be back uh, together as a combo race at Flat Rock. That'll that's pretty cool. And last year they had the Vores Compact Touring Series at Flat Rock come in. They now have the National Compact Touring Series coming to Flat Rock. In place of that, they have the Vores Compact Touring Series going to Toledo Speedway, which is going to be, I think, much better up their alley. Yeah, and the reason that the Vores Compact Touring Series is coming to Toledo Speedway is because they play a company beside a tour that's making its return for the first time in 13 years, Rich. Not since its inaugural event on April 25th, 2011, has the Jag CRA All-Stars Tour seen Toledo Speedway? And everybody's excited about this. The Jags Tour coming back to Toledo on Friday, July 26th. Yes, one-day show with the Jags Tour. Friday, July 26th, 100 laps the distance. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, these pro late model cars, these crate cars, this should be a solid event, Rich. You don't have to worry so much about wear and tear on engines like you do with those supercars. Um, you know, kind of holding guys back from coming to this race. Chase Berta finished third at Toledo Speedway in the ASA Stars National Tour race there. Uh, he's he's going to be one to watch. Kyle Crump is going to be one to watch. He almost won that Glass City race. Does Blake Rowe find a crate car uh, and put something together? 
Michael Simcoe, Jimmy Tucker. Uh, this is just uh, Brian Campbell won the inaugural race back in 2011. This is going to be an awesome event, uh, Friday, July 26th. And it, let's be honest, the Jegs Tour, Rich, just kind of plays support role to a fantastic Toledo Speedway schedule. Yeah, I think so. And and Toledo Speedway, and you can go and look. The schedules were released, so you can go on the various websites. They are posted now. So you can go to flyrockspeedway.com or toledospeedway.com and get the exact dates. We don't want it, We don't have time to go through all the dates and what's going on every night. Right. But once once again, um, early in the season, USAC Silver uh, Crown, the Raleigh Peel Raleigh Peel Classic, USAC Silver Crown. It's not going to be their championship. They relocated them to the front of the front of the block. Um, also, Midwest Modifieds Tour once again in 2024 back at Toledo Speedway, and then of course uh, the second running of the well, it, I I guess they'll. It's more than that, but the second running for the ASA Stars National Tour for their Glass City 200. That was a great race last year. Yep. A great crowd came out. Uh, they're banking on that again in 2024. 500 Sprint Car Tour will return to Toledo Speedway, and the Arkham Menard Series National Tour Championship race will be at Toledo Speedway to cap off the season once again, Rich. So um, great season for Toledo. I, I think this is going to be a really good season. Yeah, once again, not uh, you know they're not running – a lot of events, but their events are prime events. Almost every every event at Toledo Speedway is a, I can't miss that one, what, those types of events. They do have dark nights, but uh, anytime Toledo Speedway is open, um, it's going to be a show. That's what it looks like. With that, it's time to roll into our first interview of the evening, and it's our pleasure to welcome on a, a guy that we've avoided, <laughs> not intentionally. It, there's just been somebody else in the family that we've been talking to makes his home originally from Dryden, Michigan. And if you saw the news, uh, you saw that things are going to start changing for this family. Uh, he is the father of Katie Hettinger, Chris Hettinger. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Man, you know, I'll just come right out with it. When Rich and I were talking about what we were going to do for a show today, I said, man, I've been trying to get Chris on the show, and here's why. Um, this Hettinger name for you in your position uh you know dad with such a great career that he had um getting inducted into the USAC Hall of Fame and then you have a racing career for what probably feels like was a short tenure and now watching Katie kind of do what she does um I just felt like it was such an interesting perspective for you to kind of get sandwiched in between two careers that seem like they're going to be really, really impactful on the racing community. And, you know, I, I think about somebody like myself who, who was a racer for a short period of time. Do you ever wish that you could have done more with the time that you were given behind the wheel? Or are you completely complacent with what you were able to watch happen for your family and now with what you're able to help build through your daughter? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, I mean, obviously growing up, I mean, all I want to do is drive race cars. You know, I, I always had this, this goal or this fantasy of, of being in, in NASCAR and, and doing it professionally and obviously watching my dad, you know, race for all those years and doing the USAC thing and TV and, and just, um, you know, it was a different time, you know, in his era because the drivers were older. I mean, you know, he was in his forties, you know, winning USAC national races and, and, you know, at that point, you know, at, at, in that era, like you could still make a career in racing, you know, at, at, 
at that age, which I mean, that's the age I'm at right now. So I mean, <laughs> not old by any means, but right. But um, and we're not calling you, you old know, either. So, don't don't misconstrue that because to, to Rich, you're <laughs> yeah. a young you're a young pup yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so so when, you know, when I was coming through, I mean, we raced quarter midgets. You know, everybody raced quarter midgets till they were 16, and and started racing. You know, really bigger cars when they were you know, 18 to 20, you know, to go to college or, so it, it was, I, I was kind of like in that in between age, I, you know, time period, I think where, where, you know, I, I did the college thing and kind of held, you know, held my racing career off a little bit, you know, let him kind of get through his and then, and then started it. But then like at that point, like by the time I started is when the wave of, of the younger generation came in where they started racing sprint cars at 15, 16 and, and, and that. So, you know, I, I not saying I kind of missed the window, but I think, you know, it was kind of at a, I was at that point where it's like, okay, well, you know, now they're not really looking for guys like me. They're looking for younger kids. And, and, you know, my dad and I were trying to do it together and, and, um, you know, financially, obviously it was, it was, it, it you know, it, it got a lot more expensive during that time period, but, you know, we, we did the midget thing for a while and then the midgets kind of went away and did the sprint car, you know, pavement sprint car deal with auto value for a while. And, I mean, I had a lot of fun and tried the late model stuff. I mean, I think, I think I just kind of jumped around. Like I just, I just loved driving race cars and I didn't care. Never what really settled and, into anything. Um, yeah, never, never really, never really made that career like my dad did. I mean, my dad tried the sprint car stuff, but I mean, his deal was midgets. I mean, that's where he made his mark and that's, you know, where his success was and what he was just really good at racing midgets. And, and I just could never really settle on one thing and, and times were changing and, and series were changing and, and just, it was just a different time period. So, um, it just, I never, and I, and obviously financially just, just trying to get to that level, but, but I, I definitely had a lot of fun. I mean, I loved racing, yeah. love driving race cars, anything I can drive. So I want to, I want to um, dig into your dad's career deeper here in a little, in a minute, but I want to go back to what you just let, let I want to break this down. You're, you're you just said you, you're be 40. How old are you? Just turned 45. So 20 years ago was 2003. You're 25 years old watching, and this would be 2003, watching a 19-year-old Kyle Busch take the world by storm. Just to put this into perspective um, about that that opportunity, I mean, man, you watched our sport evolve. People talk about millennials watching technology evolve and growing up with technology. The racing world evolved so rapidly and changed what they were looking for so quickly, Chris. Um, I could mm-hmm. I could understand how you might feel like all of a sudden you looked around and went, "What the hell happened?" <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, you know, my dad's big thing, which you hear a lot of people talk about it today. I mean, you know, my generation of people, like you know, my big my dad's biggest thing was you know, got to work on the cars, got to understand the cars, got to be able to do all that stuff, which I looking back, I think was a little bit of a, like, he was just trying to push me off so he could keep racing kind of thing. But, um, but I mean, it, it, it was good. I mean, I went to school for engineering because of racing. I mean, that's what I wanted to do, work on cars and all that. But, but, um, it is just, just, uh, you know, these other, you know, the other kids that were coming up through like the Kyle Bush, I mean, they were, like you said, they were, I mean, they weren't doing that stuff. They were just driving race cars and getting that experience and, and, um, it just, yeah, it was just, it just before we knew it, it kind of flip flopped from, a you know, most of the kids we were racing with were 20 to 25 to, you know, they were 15 to 18 and kind of just caught, caught in the middle of it, I think. Chris, was there a moment, uh, and I'm sure, that, sure it is maybe, I don't know if you remember exactly when it was, was there a moment or a conversation that you had either, 
with your wife or with Katie and where you said, okay, I'm done and I have to jump on board with her because she's going to go somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of it was like, you know, when she was like, I always knew growing up, like, you know, when I had a, a child, you know, boy or girl, whatever it was, like, I wanted to do the quarter thing because that's kind of what I did when I was a kid for a few years, my dad raced them and, um, you know, we were involved with them because even when, you know, before I started racing, my dad had a business building quarter midget chassis. So we were, you know, we spent a few years just going to the quarter midget races, kind of supporting that. So I kind of, you know, it was kind of something I always looked forward to, um, even at an early age. So, you know, when Katie was born, I mean, that was the whole thing. Like, you know, I want to go racing with her and, and she always kind of showed that enthusiasm with racing. You know, she walked around the house at two years old, wearing a race car helmet stuff like that said she always wanted to race and so you know when she turned five I was still racing so you know it kind of started off a little slow didn't really start her till five and a half which some of the kids now are starting at four four and a half but but I I, I wasn't quite done but you know when when we decided to start her then it was kind of like well this is like I don't know I just you go to the first race and you start seeing your kid out there and, and running around and I mean, I think her third race at Columbus Indoor, she won. And it was like, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. Like I'm getting as much enjoyment watching her out there running around as myself. So, and, and it was getting, it was getting harder to do it myself, you know, harder to find people. Um, you know, you had to pay people and, and stuff was getting expensive and, and it was just like, we were having fun as a family, just kind of traveling around running the quarter and stuff. So, I mean, it, it was, it took a couple of years. I mean, it was probably two years of, or maybe a year of, of her racing and me just kind of filling in some stuff where I finally realized it's like, you know, this, this is just too hard to do both. You know, I can't, how do I give up going to a race with her, you know, so I can go race, uh, you know, a short track somewhere. I mean, where am I going at this point? I mean, and if I'm having the fun, as much fun watching her as I am racing myself, like, you know, it's too expensive to try and have two race car drivers. So, and, and she was putting the effort in and she wanted to do it and, and was loving it. And, um, I just, at that point, at that point, we just decided, I think she was probably about seven. I'm like, you know what? I just I think it's time to just focus on her. She's got, you know, she'll have an opportunity potentially. There's something here to build, you know, possibly. And, and, um, you know, just, just make that kind of investment into her program. And, and, you know, I'm like, you know, at that time I'm like, there's guys out here, 65 years old racing late models and, and modified locally winning races. I'm like, you know, I don't have to quit forever. Like, like I can always come back, but she's only going to be, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old once. So, um, kind of made that decision at that point to, to focus on her. Which is why Rich, it doesn't say Katie Hettinger racing anymore. It says Hettinger racing. <laughs> Chris is getting ready for the future. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Rich. No, Chris, I was, I, and I was wondering how hard that is when, I mean, obviously there was a point in time you're, you're also victory custom trailers. We don't want to forget about that. You're building a business, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and you're also doing this at the same time. And, and that takes that takes a lot of time for you, doesn't it? Yeah, and and honestly, the quarter image thing, you know, with her, you know, at that same time, I quit racing is kind of when the 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 victory custom, you know, when we started the dealership and, and started getting that going, and and it kind of complemented the quarter midget racing because it was obviously, you know, we're there racing, but there were there marketing, selling trailers, kind of going after that business, and and the quarter midget, you know. Um, you know, that, that industry really helped us grow the trailer dealership. Um, so they kind of went hand in hand to where, you know, it worked out good. And then, you know, we had a parts business at the time, um, because, you know, I just, 
you know, if there's five minutes in the day, I figure out how to spend 10 of it. So, you know, we, we started, you know, we went to a couple quarter minute races early on and we're like, man, there's really nobody here selling parts, like, you know, and doing shocks and, you know, got to know Bobby Morani and him and I were hanging out and he had the shock business, him and AJ. And they were like, yeah, we went out. And I'm like, well, that sounds like fun. Let's go do that. You know? So, so even before the trailer dealership, you know, we're set, we're at quarter minute races, building shocks and, and selling parts. And, honestly kind of paying for the quarter major racing. So at that point, it's like, man, how do I justify going and, and racing myself, spend all that money, or I can go do this with her, have just as much fun. And honestly, it pays for itself. So, um, that was kind of our focus for there for a few years. As Katie's coming up through the ranks, people are watching on Mav TV. Uh, I think it's, is it Madera Speedway out in uh, California? People are watching mm-hmm. junior late models, uh, kids nine to 11 years old, uh, tearing up full size race cars, and then all of a sudden, um, Glenn Luckett and R.J. Scott decide, we're going to try to do something here in the Midwest. How much were you in their ear about this, or did they come to you with Victory Custom and, and it all worked out where Katie would be eligible to compete? How did that partnership come about? So even backing up a little bit from that, so you know, even so when, when Katie ran quarter, was basically until she was about nine and a half. And then at that point, you know, we started looking, okay, what's our next step? And at that point in time, I mean, nine, 10 years old, there really wasn't in the Midwest, there wasn't many other options. You know, there was, there really wasn't bandoleros. Jim was trying to get it going at Spartan, but just really wasn't getting much car count, much traction, you know, legend cars. So um, there really wasn't a lot of options. So we started looking at, and a lot of the kids in quarter midgets, obviously Indiana is a pretty strong area for quarter midgets. Well, micro racing on dirt is big down there. So, you know, Katie, you know, kept talking about dirt. She loved dirt. Obviously, you know, we came from a little bit of dirt racing. So, you know, we got her a junior sprint. Well, we tested, we, we went and rented one one time from a buddy of mine. He's like, yeah, come down and try it. So we tried that. She liked it, bought one, kind of did the micro. So, you know, I felt like that was a good developmental tool to get her on the dirt. Um, and the age bracket worked out well. So we did that for a couple of years. But, you know, from day one, when Katie was born, you know, the, 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 the main deal my wife and I made was she told me, she's like, I don't care what we do, but she's not racing midgets and she's not. Racing <laughs> cars. Like, so that, was, that was like the number one thing. So, uh, so we, um, so I, I convinced her to do the micro deal with the wing on it. We did that for a couple of years. And then we kind of got to the point where it's like, you know, she's 11 years old now. Um, you know, what, what do we do next? Because again, there's still nothing there. There's still a gap. Now, we don't, she's not going the midget route or the sprint car route. So, how much more time do we want to spend on the dirt with the micros and driving six hours to Indiana every week to race? But, in, and at that time is when Madero was really starting to take off and all the TV. So, so again, you know, got three minutes left in the day. So, let's figure out what we can do. So, I started doing some research and looking around I'm like, man, we, we need something like this here, you know? And I, I started calling some of the quarter midget friends I know and, and kind of poking around a little bit like, Hey, you know, is this something that interests you guys? And everybody's like, yeah, you know, they're all in the same boat. Like we need something to do, but we don't want to go put them in a necessarily a street stock because we, none of us know anything about street stocks. Um, we don't want to put them in a full light model because in race against adults, because I just, you know, didn't feel like that was the right way to go so we um so we just kind of kind of talked about this junior junior you know junior late mile deal and everybody's like man we need we need that deal here so i kind of went through 
put a rule book together, create a Facebook page, threw it out there just to see what the interest was. And then I'd say probably maybe a day or two later, um, I think RJ reached out to me and was like, Hey, like, I think we're, we'd be interested in something like this. And I'm like, good. Cause I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't this. really want to do, do it, it. <laughs> I but just, I will. <laughs> I just, I need someone to do this. I don't want to do it. So, um, so I told him, I'm like, look, this is what I want to do. I'll sponsor it. You know, I'll help. I'll do whatever. I'll donate my time, but this is something that needs to be done. And that's, um, we put the deal together. That ends up being really good for her, you know, for Katie and actually, you know, several youngsters. Now Chase Berta has graduated from that program. He's gone on to win a Jake's Tour Championship and, um, you know, third with the ASA Stars National Tour at Toledo this past season. And, of course, we, we know about Katie's success and going on to win races at Hickory and all the great things that she's done. At what point for you, as you watch Katie continue to grow as a race car driver, how hard is it for you to have that dad role and that ambassador role and, you know, now coming into 24 car owner role, because that's not just a race car driver, that's your daughter. And so when she does something on the racetrack that irritates somebody, or maybe there are expectations put on her to do something that maybe is out of character or doesn't represent the team well, uh, the family well, I should say. How how do you handle those situations knowing that, A, you, you have a marketable and a talented race car driver at your fingertips, but also that race car do- driver is your 16-year-old daughter? Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a balance. I mean, you know, the, the problem with dads and moms and, and parents in general with any sport is, is just the emotional side of it. You know, there's a lot of emotion you know, it's our kids, it's our little one. It's, you know, we want, we want the best for them. Right. And, and we want to see them succeed. Um, so it's, it's tough because you're, you're always wanting more for them. So it's a tough balance because, you know, you can't do it for them. Obviously you need them to make their mistakes. You need them to learn. Um, and, and you need to make sure you try and guide them. But I mean, a lot of that starts just from when they're a kid. I mean, it's just how you raise them and, and a lot of that stuff. So, you know, even in the sports, I mean, you know, a lot of that's already been done, that groundwork's been set. So, you know, by the time they get to that age and the age she's at and they're in, in they're racing at this level or any level and um, you, you just got to keep, you know, instilling on them, like, you know, always do the right thing, treat people right. And, it, and it's hard because, you know, people have changed and racing's changed and the way you race has changed. And it's not what it was, you know, when, when I raced or when my dad raced. So does it um, feel like it's changing though? I mean, I think about one particular cars to a race that it seemed like the entire country saw what happened coming to the checkers. And there was a lot of call to action. Do you feel like there's a change coming? I mean, I know it's hard it's hard to know and and hard to hope right i mean you hope it's coming don't you yeah yeah i mean i I don't i feel like racing's become the win at all cost deal now and and it's 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 kind of become the way of you know you you race you race your heart out you race as hard as you can and whatever happens happens and that's a lot different than how it was when i grew up i mean when i grew up it's like you, you run hard, you run fair, you do the best you can, but you don't, 
you don't hurt the person you're racing against. You know, you, you don't cause damage. You don't wreck their stuff. You don't, you don't do any of that. And, um, but, but it's also hard too, because these cars are so, they've gotten so good. The people working on these cars have gotten so good that the competition level is, is at an all time high. And, and it's, you just have to race so hard to, to try and win these races. And, and obviously, you know, with, with the OEMs getting involved and sponsorship and everything, like everybody, I feel like has a lot of pressure on them to, to be successful and to succeed. And, and that's fine. And that's the way we need to do it. But I, I feel like what gets lost is, you know, that still that, that racing with respect, that, that, you know, taking a second when that's all you got kind of thing and not, not extending yourself and, and, you know, just, just taking something away from somebody. And I, I think, that's the part that needs to be controlled, but I, it's a tough one to control. It's, 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 I don't know how you control it. And obviously, obviously it's, it's, it's a big topic. I mean, we're seeing it every week. I mean, we, we've seen it at some big races this year of, of just, you know, of, of leaders and, and, you know, top three cars wrecking or top two cars wrecking or, you know, whatnot. But it's, um, I think it's just, it's just the competition level and the skill level is so high that, Everybody's just trying to race for the same real estate. Chris, I have two questions, and, and we'll, we'll start with this one. Um, and we'll just go back a year when, you know, you and your family and you talked to Katie and you got her um, connected up with Anthony Campy Racing, one of the best uh, late model teams in the country. I mean, they, they have top-notch mm -hmm. equipment every racetrack they go to. And basically what you're doing when you get to that point because you had some smaller teams that you're that you were working with in the, down south but but this year you put her in a big team and basically handed her over and said okay you got to grow her um and, and you were there every week but how hard was that uh i mean it's it is difficult and but it's it's necessary like you're you you're going to get to the point with with your driver your child that you're trying to bring up through that you're no longer there's not much you can do it for them like they're beyond what you're capable of and that's kind of where we've been the last couple years is you know i'm not i'm not a crew chief i'm not you know i haven't worked on these cars since i raced them and with all the technology and everything like the, the crew chiefs and the, the people that work on these cars now, the chassis manufacturers, um, the hours that they put in, the, the, you know, the research they do, everything that they do to make their cars better is way beyond what I'm capable of. So, you know, the biggest thing I made that decision, you know, even two years ago um, was I got to get, I got to step back. You know, I can't be, I can't, you know, there's people out there that have made a career, very successful careers of developing drivers and getting them to the next level. And we, we got to that point where it's like, okay, like it's their turn. Like I got her to this point. Now it's their turn. And I'm just here for support. Um, I'm, I'm the Uber driver. I'm the, I'm the, the supporter. I'm the food getter. I'm like, whatever I am, like, I know my role and that's what I need to stick to. And unfortunately you get to that point, you know, as you're trying to go up the ladder to where that's what it is. And, um, you know, I try and tell parents that when they talk to me about, you know, their kids coming up through and quarter midgets and, 
and micros and legends and all that stuff. And I tell them, I'm like, look, I'm like, enjoy these times because this is the most hands-on you're going to be moving forward. Because as you go up, you're, you're stepping back, you're moving farther away from the program. And it, it's great to sit there and it's great to watch them and see everything in the development. I mean, I love that side of it, but, but some days you miss, you know, jacking that car up or, you know, taking those wheels off and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that, that, goes away at some point and then there was i have to i have to bring this up because i think the whole country witnessed it um then there was a point you had to become dad again and in a hurry um at tri-county um it was everybody watched it 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 wasn't pretty what happened and and you weren't really happy and you you had to get in there right away didn't you yeah i mean it kind of made a idiot myself on TV there, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> again, that's your 16 year old daughter. Let's everybody remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get to the point where it's like, you just can't, you know, you, you got to get involved as a parent, as a, you know, I, I've watched this girl grow. I mean, since she was born, I mean, I've, I've, I've watched her grow up. I mean, I feel like we've, you know, her mom and I have done everything we can to, to, just, you know, instill the best morals and values and everything in her and, and have, have taught her, right and wrong and i mean just have done a lot of that and and she got put in a situation obviously where where emotions were high and and you know it had been a a little bit of a rough stretch there and just everything piled on top of each other and and when you get in that situation as a driver i we've all been there i mean um to where you just you kind of lose it and you lose your mind and nobody thinks straight, you know, the crew, the, the spotter, the driver, nobody, nobody's thinking in their right mind. They're just, they're just done at that point. And I guess, you know, me sitting back and, and not being directly involved with it or being part of it, like, you know, maybe I, maybe I just had a different, you know, more, more, uh, you know, overhead view of the whole situation to where I, I was trying to be the voice of reason and, and trying to keep from, making a bad situation even worse. So um, definitely not something I wanted to do, but um, I don't know, something I did, I guess. <laughs> but, so. and, and I think the cool thing was, you know, the, the whole thing that you're, that everybody heard was, you know, you get, you getting into Katie and saying, that's not how we race, you know, that this isn't you. And could this have been like the culmination of a season? Cause I watched you guys race a lot in 2023 and nobody mm-hmm. seems to give her an inch, not an inch on the racetrack. So every spot she gets, she earns on her own. That's what happens when you're good. Nobody gives you anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, I mean, these kids race hard. I mean, they, they, nobody gives anybody an inch. And I mean, I can't really sit here and say we were treated different than anybody else. I mean, you know, I felt like in that situation, we we weren't given we weren't raced the way that we had raced other people um throughout the year because there, there was situation i mean there was times there was a race at tri county where she was running sixth and the the car running fifth was holding her up and she just couldn't that place is tough to pass and she just could not make the run and and people standing next to me are like she needs to just boot him she and i'm like no like that's that's not what we do i mean i know that's kind of what it is but but i'm like at some point she's going to need a spot and or or she's going to be the car that's in the front that car is going to be behind her 
And if we start running people over and shoving people out of the way, like we're not going to get that respect when we try and chase for a championship. So when you're running for a championship, it's just like what Rick Hendrick said about, about Ross Chastain. Ah. Like you're never going to win a championship if you upset everybody and you drive everybody the wrong way. So, you know, her and I have had that discussion all year about there's a time and a place to do it. You know, if someone moves you and you have to move them back, then it's fair game. But to just run up to somebody and just run them over, that's, that's like, I don't want to see that. I want to see you fight for the position. I want to see you learn how to set them up. I want to see you pass them the right way. I mean, there's some drivers that, I, that I've never seen make a clean pass. Like, I don't know that they know how to make a clean pass. They just run them over and, and pass them. So we're developing for the next level, hopefully. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. So what happens in that race, running fifth, sixth, fourth, set, whatever, to me wasn't as important as, one, driving someone with respect and showing everybody that you race people with respect, and two, focus and learn how to pass a car without touching them. Does that tie so, into the Hettinger racing and, and the decision to bring her back to your own equipment? I, I think the problem is, but the problem is when you, when you do deals like Anthony Campy or Donnie Wilson and those guys, they're a business and you, ha they need commitment out of their drivers. That's the only way their business succeeds. So they need, they need full-time commitments. They need set dates. And obviously they're trying to fill every gap they can get. Well, the problem with that is that there's not a lot of flexibility in your schedule. And with Katie and everything we have going on with her, we really have to have flexibility because we don't know when another when an opportunity for something is going to come up. And we didn't feel like we, we needed to be strapped down or, or stuck to where we had to pass up an opportunity because of a commitment we already made. So, you know, I've owned the race. I've owned Katie's race team since she was five years old up until the last couple of years. And, and the reason we, we didn't own the team or move the team down here originally was because we were still full-time in Michigan and flying down here to race. So trying to manage a team, do all that from, from Michigan was, was difficult. Well, when Katie made the decision back at the end of last year that she wanted to be here full-time, be in the Chevy program, you know, at the tech center and, and utilize all those resources that they provide their drivers. Um, at that point, you know, once we kind of got half, you know, through this year and everything, we looked at it, had the meetings with Chevrolet, everything. And it's like, you know, we know how to do this. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like we know how to do it and, and we just need to do it ourselves because like I said, it, it gives us flexibility. So, you know, if Katie gets an opportunity and, and a ride somewhere, but you know, we're scheduled to race, you know, X race. Well, I, I have that ability to say, Oh, we're, don't worry about that. Let's go do this other opportunity. So, um, so I think that was more of the reason we did our own deal. Plus I have a five-year-old coming through. So, yeah. you know, that loves race cars, wants to race in the worst way. It's got a quarter midget. We've been out testing. Like I'm looking at this program is long-term like, okay, if I get Katie for a couple more years and then, you know, we do some development with Katie with or with Chevy, with some different drivers for a few years. Then at that point, I mean, Keith 10, 11 years old. Now, now he's the next driver. And, and now my program is established for him coming through. This is uh, Chris. You're never going to get back in a race. You're car. never getting I back in a race car. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. He, he'll he'll pull the, he'll, he'll he'll pull the we've Donnie actually, Wilson. We've actually had some. 
we, we've actually had some conversations about, uh, about I, I, so when I was younger, you know, I was in middle school, high school, probably middle school, you know, obviously huge NASCAR fan, all that. But Hickory Motor Speedway was like my track. Like uh, I, I don't know what it was, if it's the name, what it was like. He's gonna like, pull I the Donnie Wilson. At Hickory Motor <laughs> there it goes. Yeah, he's gonna pull the Donnie Wilson. You know what, kid? You're out this weekend. I want to race at Hickory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just it's it's on my bucket list to to you know on an off weekend or something take the late mile stock over there. Probably put it as a limited because it's only thirty laps, and I hopefully won't make an idiot myself. But I I really. I, I really wouldn't mind just going and, and, you know, trying a night or two and playing around a little bit. And obviously nothing that's going to interfere with Katie's program. I mean, she's my number one priority. This is a focus for her. But, you know, if I can go have a night or two of fun, I, I mean, I, and I think she would like it. I mean, she's, she's talked about it. She thought it'd be cool, too. So. This is why I wanted to do this interview. And, you know, Chris, I have to cut you off. And, Rich, I, you, you said you had one more small thing. But this is why I wanted to do this interview because we are out of time. Um, and we could talk for another half hour easily. I have two closing questions for you that were very important to me to get into this this program. First and foremost, we've talked a lot about you being a dad. Um, people have talked about the marketability of uh, women in this motorsports industry and why they're marketable, and I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but anybody with a brain knows what they are. How do you fight that, Chris, uh, and talk more about, you know, Obviously, it's easy right now because of her age, but it's going to get harder the more that she grows up. Um, how do you keep the focus on what she does behind the wheel and, you know, her abilities on social media and how good she is? Like, I can only imagine of, you know, being somebody who's got a daughter of his own and Rich, you, you have daughters as well. Um, you know, let's make this about their talents and not about any other reason that they might be a marketable individual. Uh, how do you deal with that? Because her popularity is obviously growing. And I think that those challenges are probably probably going to be coming soon. I mean, honestly, I think I think you just do it on the racetrack. I mean, that that's how you do it. I mean, if you're if you're out there winning races and and you're putting the time in and the effort and and all that, I mean, you know that that's where you show that hey, I'm here because I'm I'm a hell of a race car driver, not because I'm I'm a girl, you know, and and I think that's what Katie's focus is. I mean, you know, she doesn't want to be, you know, a girl race car driver. She wants to be a race car driver that just so happens to be a girl. For sure. So, And she's I mean, expressed she's, that to us, too. So that, that mission is very oh, clear. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, I, I don't think it matters when you get, like, I, when, when we first came here, yes, that was a little bit more of a struggle because, you know, she shows up, she's, you know, 13 years old, girl, People don't know who we are. We're from, from the north. You know, we kind of come in here. But then, <laughs> Which is a setback of its you know, own in that like, region. <laughs> You're from yeah, the north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, but, but, you know, we had, you know, we had Lauren Rainier working with us. It's, that's just been a huge help, all the connections. And, you know, right off the bat, I mean, she goes out there and it's like, okay, like, like she can drive. Like, this isn't just another, another gimmick. And, and that's, you know, I mean, she tells, her and her mom talk about that all the time. Like, you know, if you're winning, then it's not a gimmick. Right. So that's, that's been the focus of, you know, going out there, working hard, putting the hours in. I mean, you know, she's now we have our shop. I mean, again, another reason for the shop on our own team is because she wants to be more involved, yeah. come here, help on the cars, clean them, understand them. But, 
you know, she's, she's trying to do school online. She goes to the tech center every day at seven or 8 AM and, and works out for an hour, hour and a half. She's doing sim training there. She's doing bike rides with, with Josh Wise and, and the Chevy team. So, I mean, her week is, is full. So, you know, I don't get her at the shop as much I'd like to, but, but I mean, she still is involved as much as she can while also focusing on the driving side of it and, and what's, I mean, people don't realize the effort that, that goes into a NASCAR career. I mean, it's just not showing up in racing like it used to be. I mean, it's the, the hours, I mean, it's a 60 hour week job just prepping for the races and you can tell the ones that, that do it and the ones that, that don't do it. So Chris, before we let you get out of here, just a little bit of a warning. My dad growing up took me to Toledo Speedway the whole time growing up. I want my dream was to race at Toledo Speedway, like kind of like you are your, your bucket list item hickory. When I had the opportunity, when I was almost 40 years old, I finally got to do that and I stayed there for six years. So be careful. Okay. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. <laughs> the, yeah. la- the last yeah. thing I want, yeah. Chris, is because I know I, I want to make sure that we talk about this. And this will be the absolute last thing because we absolutely have to let you go. Uh, mm-hmm. end of August, beginning of September, word gets out that, uh, and, and the announcement was made during the USAC National Midget Series event at Angel Park Speedway, where the National Midget Auto Racing Hall of Fame is established. And uh, Jim Hettinger, your dad, joined a list of, uh, I believe it's six other or five other inductees into the National Midget Auto Racing Hall of Fame. Turning the attention, yeah. turning the clock back to all of a sudden, you know, you're in the midst of this great career, building a great career with Katie, and now your your family's being recognized for what your dad trailblazed before you. How were those emotions? Uh, obviously, the late Jim Hettinger, uh, you know, your dad having passed away uh, about five years ago, I think it was. How, how did all of that, was it, I can only imagine it was a flood of just looking at what you've been able to build thanks to what he was able to, found, you know, lay foundation for. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a huge deal, you know, getting that phone call and getting told that, you know, finally, finally he was, he was going to get put in. And, um, I mean, he, I mean, he spent 30 years, you know, 30 years of his life racing midgets. And I mean, you know, started in 1972 out, out East. And I mean, won 127 races, I think, or 23, something like that. I mean, um, just, just really really dedicated his life and, and everything into, into midget racing. So to, to finally see the recognition and, and all that hard work and everything pay off, um, was just super cool. I mean, obviously we wish he could be there, you know, to see it and, and be a part of it, but, um, you know, a bunch of my family's coming and, and we're going, obviously it's going to be at, um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the chili bowl. They do like a luncheon induction there, but, um, you know, and, and, and the other drivers he's getting inducted. I mean, Stevie Reeves is one of the drivers getting in, which my dad raced with back in the nineties in, in the USAC deal. So, um, it's just, it's just really cool when you see something like that, where all that hard work and, and everything you put into it, um, really, really get recognized and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, we're, we're super, super excited for it. And obviously very thankful that, that they, they're doing this for him. Chris, congratulations, man. Uh, you've raised a great young young lady. You've got two other great ones in the stables as well uh, that we don't know hardly anything about, but hopefully we'll learn about them very soon uh, as they start to 
you know, probably get involved in some way in auto racing. Who knows uh, what the future holds for those ones. But, uh, dude, also really cool what you've been able to do. Uh, you know, like we talked earlier in the in the show, your opportunities seem to have kind of passed you by without you even realizing it as a driver. But, man, you're you're sure making up for it as a car owner and, and as a, you know, ambassador for Katie and helping her do everything that she's doing. A lot of people believe in her, including us, man. So it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited and... Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a great it's been a great venture and and um, this path that we've gone on with her and I, I I don't know that I would do anything different. So yeah, well, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, no, thank you guys. I appreciate it. It's good talking to you. Well, it's that time of the month. It is the third Monday of the month, and Zach, you know what that means, and all the fans know what that means. Gary, did you know time? Right, That's Gary. Right. Welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. How you doing, man? Always a pleasure, and uh, before we go any further, I'd like to wish uh, you guys and all your fans Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We are coming up on that, yeah. so I'd like to do that right off the get-go. Yeah, let's and I was, away. Yeah. And I, I know, and I was looking, uh, was looking back on uh, the quiz and everything like that, and believe it or not, guys, I've been doing this quiz in some capacity for 47 years. Wow. Oh, we're going to keep it going. Wow. We can hit 50. we got to hit 50. We can 50. hit 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 40, yeah, 47 years. That's amazing. Well, it's, like oh, I said, we had it in 1976 is when it started. So, My Lord. Amazingly. Well, I, I want to say, before we get too far into this, uh, if you saw our social media today, you saw that we kind of got backlogged on the social postings. Now, we've been on time every time on the podcast, and if you listen, you've heard the questions, uh, but nobody except Brad has taken the time to send us messages based off of just the podcast. So we put these up on social media today, and we had a couple people take a swing at them, and now it is going to be three people, Rich, uh, are going to meet that minimum of four questions out of the eight correct. And uh, I got I want to give my hat off to Jason because he said, these next four I only know because I listened to the podcast where the answers were revealed. So, Jason, caps off for the honesty uh, because you did not have to be honest about that. Peter, uh, Peter. Yeah, so yeah. based on that alone, we're going to give him uh, a prize pack. But also, Rand took a swing at some of these and was really close. He didn't hit the minimum. Uh, Brad got I know. him. I... Brad got him. And then uh, we had a new player come into town uh, this this time around. Marty is going to get four out of eight correct, and he's going to get a prize pack. So, Marty, thanks for playing. We hope to see you more often. Uh, Gary, they're starting to get to you. Uh, maybe this is – we shouldn't we shouldn't stack them up like this because they're getting better. Yeah, that's okay. I'm sure that Marty was Marty Bloom. It sure was. He would, he's kind of a historian now from Jackson Motor Speedway. We're a couple of Jackson boys that so do that. So, yep. I right, got folks. that, but I know, I know you guys are kind of up against it, so – no, so what we're going to do here, Gary, we get, we're going to do the same thing we did last month uh, because we were so late. We're, I'm going to go ahead and read the questions, and you're going to give the answers for November's quiz, okay? Okay. For, for, for last month's quiz. You, you got four for four last month when we did this, so I figured you could do it again. <laughs> okay. Does he know the answer to his own trivia questions? We yeah, find out. I, I, he did last month. That's right. For the October one. Let's, so we'll, let's see what he's got, Rich. All right, Gary. This is from quiz number 31 last month. You could say this late model driver can really plant it in the corners. Now, we would probably get a lot of things and a lot of people. And one of them is, how do you pronounce this guy's name, yes. his last name? 
Yes. Well, so I'm, I, I always said Mike Root, and Mike Root never corrected me all the times that I've announced his name. I, I always said Mike Root, <laughs> and yeah, Rich well. corrects me every single time. <laughs> you, know what a, you know what a common guess was, and I'm going to say it wrong because I was told the only way you could make it sound like what it looks like is if you were really bad at French, and that's uh, Claude... Say the last Plant. name. Plant. Yes. So that was a that was a very popular guess, but incorrect. I know, and a lot of people. You know, that was actually a good guess, though. I, that is a good you know, guess. I seen that, and I go, "Ooh, I didn't really think about <laughs> that." But <laughs> <laughs> well, so, say it's not right or wrong. It's Gary's answer. That's right. right. We so got to read Gary's. That's exactly, and you got to you got to understand where the mind comes from in Lindahl's <laughs> uh, quizzes. Okay. All right. Let's do question number two out of November, Gary. This late model driver was really good in the 98 before Benny Parsons. And it was interesting because this driver just went into the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. Oh. Inducted in 2023. And that was Wayne Bennett. And he was really, really good. Everybody that And played, that's where Benny, Ber, Benny learned everything from him. Everybody that played uh, got that question correct. There was not an incorrect guess for that one. So, yeah. Oh, that was that's good cool. One. Yep. All right, Gary, question number three. Bill Tyler, first race with this number. Number 75. Another landslide. Everybody knew this one. A lot of Bill Tyler fans uh, on the program. Oh, absolutely. Bill's got a bunch of fans. And actually, if you see Brian's son that's racing now, Brian Tyler's son. Yep. And they're running a, a wing sprint car. And actually, I believe it's number 75 with the same paint scheme that Bill ran many years ago. How about that? Nice. I like when they do that. I do, too. All right, cool, Gary. Uh, Last one from November, question number four. By the way, Gary, you're three for three. Nice job. Um, Okay. This driver came out of retirement after 15 years and immediately won a feature. Hoo-hoo, that was Dan Bailey in the 84 car. That was pretty cool. There you go. Good-looking automobile, too. Uh, that one was a tough one. We got Mike Eddy as a guess. Uh, we got a couple other ones as a guess, but, uh, that was a tough one. I know, but you know, Mike Eddy hasn't come out and driven again. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. That's true. Hmm. You know, yeah, so he, he, I mean, you know. yeah, he wasn't gone for 15 years and then came back. He, when he was no. done, he was done pretty much. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> but anyway. You really have to read those questions. That's you know? right. So, hey, congratulations uh, to those who hit that minimum and got those right. Good job, y'all. You were on this one. These answers weren't revealed. So uh, three out of four ain't bad for those people. Um, and so you're going to get a Horsepower Happenings prize pack. Uh, we should have reached out to you if we haven't already. We will so in the next little bit. Now, Rich, let's make them honest and get back to doing this the way God intended it. Quiz 32. Let's go through it, should we? Th- yep, this is Gary's. Gary, you are on, my friend. Okay, question number one. What was Sparky Young's favorite kind of car? And he was a pretty famous guy back in the day. It probably would be helpful if I knew who Sparky Young was. I was kind of thinking the same thing. (laughs) You know, that kind of bounced over Zach's head too, didn't it? Oh, yeah. But anyway. Way out of reach. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Question number two. I thought this was interesting. Hopefully some people kind of figure this deal out because I know Rich knows the answers and you do too. So, but anyway, what was unique about Manchester's late model class? And, you know, I love, I used to love Friday nights at, at, in Manchester because they had, you know, two divisions of cars and, and the late models were interesting. So that's why I popped that in there. Somebody's going to know this. 
The only reason I knew this answer was we had a guest on the show talk about how they ran. And Gary, you might have even told me this too. We might have had a discussion. Um, what was what was unique about it? Because I knew this right when it was. We had somebody on the show Ready? talk about this. Yeah, somebody did. Well, it might not have said specifically Manchester, but back in the day. Huh. Okay. I know yeah, me, back yeah, in yeah, the day. Back in the day. The other tracks did this as well. Okay. Okay. Number three. Who won the very last feature on dirt at Auto City Speedway? Ah, who here knew that Auto City was a dirt track? That's uh, another good question. Some people are going to be surprised by that one. John Deere. I don't know. John yeah. Deere. Uh, anyway, well, you know, you know, actually, because uh, Auto City, I think it was 85 and now we're 86. When I, it's a little hazy there when they changed it over. In the middle of the season, interesting quick story. I was announcing for Jack Doring at the time, and it was uh, dirt. And this is in June. Jack goes, Gary, I don't need you next week. I go, oh, really? I said, who's announcing? He goes, I'm paving the speedway. See you in two weeks. No and that's the way it happened. How did everybody else? I mean, was that was that? I can't imagine that. Oh, yeah. And most of those guys all were uh, dirt dobbers and everything at Outer City. And but they figured it out. I mean. You know, I mean, yeah, sometimes, Rich, you got to ask uh, Dennis Riedersdorf about that. Huh. Wow. Because he raced up there. And he <laughs> anyway, okay, we'll go to question number four. And uh, this guy was a, a friend of mine, and he was a lot of fun to be around. What was Gary McKinley's favorite number? There you go. Come on, Rich. Stay back. See, I would have got this wrong just because back in Gary's day, a lot of them ran three-digit numbers, so I would have guessed yes. something. I would have guessed something above a hundred, just to be, because I have no personal knowledge of this. Okay, <laughs> right. Somebody I figured that would. Does. I figured that would give me a shot, but apparently not. Yeah. Well, Gary, next time anyway, we talk, uh, will it be just prior to the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club banquet? Is is that? I believe so, and I right? believe you guys got a hand in that, don't you? Yeah, we got some responsibility in that thing, I think. You got some responsibles there. <laughs> and, you know, I always I always thought that, because I think it was the 50th they had that uh, I was involved in that, and I did it with my good friend Leo Pago. Oh, yeah. And really, for the amount of work that you have to do on that banquet and for the amount of talking, it really warrants two people doing it i i personally feel that so way so you anyway. and leo did a bank was there any alcohol consumed that night oh boy oh <laughs> man well of course there uh yeah i don't know i might have had ice water yeah me. yeah no. ice water yeah no nah, it didn't happen no nah, it didn't happen at all <laughs> gary my friend so anyway hey our, our our schedule broke today rich for a flat rock in toledo looks yeah. pretty interesting we talked about yeah. that yeah yeah we talked about that earlier on the show so uh yeah, pretty Looks cool. interesting. Looking forward to it. A lot of neat stuff. Yeah, some new All right, guys. a little bit of new racing, too. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Yes, it is. All right, Gary. Appreciate right, guys. it as always, man. Thank you. You're welcome. And Zach, now on the phone lines now, I can't believe it. Seems like we just talked to this guy a couple, Gosh, couple times. Can't get enough this of him weekend. this weekend, can we? No, no <laughs> we're all, all over the place. But uh, glad he found time for us on this Monday evening. Uh, he was out at Gateway Nationals. Uh up and down weekend, I guess you could call it, right? Probably. It makes his home in McClure, Ohio. Rusty Slank, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having us, guys. I always appreciate it. Man, uh, thought the week was going to start out pretty good uh, with the heat win, huh? And then, and then uh, because the car, let's start with that. The car looked really good right out of the gate. 
Yeah, we uh, we had a really good car. I mean, all weekend. I think we we definitely definitely should have been in the show. I mean, third quick overall there on Thursday night, and third nerd. We ended up uh, winning the heat race over Shannon Babb, and uh, feature. I I kind of I kind of killed myself there in the feature. It wasn't really the race car's fault. I just uh, I was sick of following the leader around the bottom and wanted to go up and uh, try and make something happen there around the outside wall. Uh, not uh, not my forte to, to follow the leader around the bottom so i figured i better go up and try and sell some t-shirts and <laughs> it didn't uh it didn't it didn't fare out so well so we had to kind of put a starting uh starting behind the eight ball there on saturday and then everybody seen what happened from there <laughs> would would you have felt better if you had a friday night track on thursday oh for sure yeah i mean if we'd had a friday night track on thursday i think we would have we would have had a shot at winning that thing um it just uh, Thursday was so one lane. We get, we redrew a five there, um, and uh, it just you couldn't uh, you couldn't really maneuver on Thursday night. That's kind of how that track gets on Thursday. It's just slick in one lane, hard to pass. And if I'd have had Friday's track on Thursday, I think we could have we could have moved around and uh, and utilized that cushion a little bit uh, and and made some made some ground and and maybe maybe uh, we won the thing or at least locked ourselves in the top three for sure. We had a had a really good car. Seems like the Thursday track kind of snuck up on all the Thursday competitors. Gateway has a history of being rough and choppy. And then we get that hard, dry, slicked racetrack that we ended up with, put rubber down around the bottom by the end of the night. And at first it sounded like everybody was surprised by it, but then they kind of said, well, they, they want a hard track on Thursday. So they got something to work with for Friday and Saturday. Was it not that people didn't expect it to be a little bit smoother? Was it just that it was so dry and smooth? I mean, what was it that caught people off guard? Well, yeah, I mean, everybody everybody remembers the you know everybody remembers the gateway when it's uh, when it's rough and, and hammered down and tearing up equipment. That's kind of what people what people remember. But uh, I mean, if you really look back over the course of the years, Thursday night is always uh, always seems to be a worse racetrack, and. I shouldn't say worse. I mean, it's, it was smooth. It was, it just, it didn't have any character. And, and that little track, it's got to have some character in order to, in order to produce good racing because it's just, it, it's so narrow that uh, when it gets black slick and around the bottom, you, you just kind of follow the leader and you can't really move around a lot. So, um, but they, uh, I mean, they kind of do the same thing every year. They, they get the track, they need to get the track hard and, and get a good base down. So, so it doesn't completely come apart the rest of the weekend. And, Unfortunately, when you draw Thursday nights, uh, Thursday night's race, that's kind of what you're kind of what you're in for. It doesn't always uh, it doesn't always play out the best. So. Now, now uh, go into this a little bit deeper. I think you started to answer it. Some people like me, I said this on Thursday. I said, if these guys from the Midwest would put their Michigan setups on, they probably would do really well. Uh, you're no stranger to dry slick one lane around the bottom racetracks. But with the configuration of the Gateway Dirt Nationals inside the Dome at America Center, Probably a perfect setup doesn't necessarily hand you the cards to be able to make a pass in that place. Is that is that the case? Yeah, I mean that's kind of it's kind of the par for the course there. It's just uh, you Thursday night. Even I mean we we had a pretty decent race car. I mean it didn't uh, it, it didn't throw me for too big of a loop. I was kind of I was kind of prepared in case the track got really slick like that and. And it showed there in the heat race. We had really good speed all night. It just we got we we re, we redrew a five there, and it kind of killed us. So um, didn't matter how good the race car was. I I, I was kind of held up behind Freddie Carpenter there in the running six in the feature, and we were all kind of two two train around the bottom, and nothing we could do about it, no matter how good the car was. And I felt confident enough that uh, 
the top kind of opened up there uh, after one of the last restarts, and I felt confident enough in the race car that I could go up there and try and make some ground, but it was just uh, the, the bottom had started taking rubber and, and got a lot faster. I just couldn't make the ground that I needed, and I left the, left the door open for some guys to get underneath me and fell back a few spots there at the end, and that kind of uh, it kind of set us up for failure for the rest of the weekend, man. We got uh, got caught in Pierce's mess after that, and I should have been starting on the front row, so it was kind of my own fault. I shouldn't have been back there. Uh, I should have just stayed in line and been patient and, and ran fifth or sixth in that feature, and uh it would have put me uh, would have put me in the show for Saturday. You but, can say that uh, until you're blue in the face, but never going to happen. You're always going to look for a way to move <laughs> forward, dude. And that's kind of your job, isn't it? I mean, if you stayed complacent and rode in sixth, people would probably ask why you didn't search around and try to move move up spots. It's true. It's true. I mean, uh, anybody that knows me or watches me race, they they know I'm not uh, I'm not the conservative guy. I, I don't I don't go to the racetrack to to run fifth. I mean, I'm there to. I'm there to put on a show and I'm there to give my fans what they, uh, what they paid for. So, um, definitely, uh, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, we, we were almost to 300 career feature wins. So if I were, if I were to be complacent and, and just be okay with fifth, I'd probably have half that number. You know what I mean? Um, so it comes with the territory, man. You, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And, uh, unfortunately this weekend, and uh, we we died by the sword. <laughs> and Rusty, I thought I, I thought on Saturday. I don't think the I didn't think the car was that bad um, on Saturday. I just you know it. There's not a whole lot you can do when <clears throat> the 32 machine just goes sideways in front of you. I mean your 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 cards are pretty much dealt what you got at that point. Yeah, no, we had a really good car. I felt confident that we could uh, we could if I didn't transfer through that. Um, through that heat race there where we got taken out i i mean we were we had a really good uh really good crowd there it was uh it was carpenter and pierce and myself and shannon babb and and there's some good cars in that race so i i knew it was gonna be tough uh but i knew if i could hang keep pace with those guys and and if somebody messed up maybe take advantage of it and, and sneak in the show if not it would have put us starting up front in the in the win and you're in deal and i feel like we had a good enough car that i, I definitely could have won that thing so uh if, uh, if if things would have played out different, and uh, Bobby just, uh, I mean, it, it happens. That little track, he, he overdrove and it spun the thing out and ended our weekend. But, uh, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're just kind of at the, at the mercy of, of whoever's in front of you. They, when somebody messes up in front of you there, there's just no room to go. You're, you're kind of stuck. So that's uh, what we had to deal with. Somebody commented on our Horsepower Happenings uh, post on Facebook uh, they said, only thing I ask is let Rusty be Rusty just for one episode, please. Now, let me just say, we never put restraints on Rusty. He's just a consummate <laughs> professional. He does it to himself. But we do know, Rusty, that you have sometimes let your temper get the best of you. And I was waiting. I had my phone in hand. I had the camera open. And you <laughs> took about 10 steps toward turns one and two about five different times level with us were you contemplating a confrontation uh with with mr pierce no i was doing more than contemplating <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, every every bit of me wanted to go jump the fence over there and throw a steering wheel up in the bleachers but uh <laughs> i'm just i'm laughing um, because I, I i'm having a called it moment because my wife looked at me and she goes are you waiting for him to do something i said i'm not waiting i know it's coming <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everybody. Everybody knows how passionate I am about the sport, man. It's uh, we we put I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this stuff, and I'm not saying that people like Pierce don't. I mean, he he lives 
lives racing too. I mean, he does it every day and he's, he's good at what he does, but, uh, Bobby, Bobby doesn't have wrapped up what I do in this stuff. You know what I mean? So when he, uh, he can go out there and <clears throat> spin out and wreck a bunch of equipment and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't hurt his pocketbook at the end of the day. He, he doesn't have to go put the thing back together. Uh, uh, I, I do it all myself, man. I mean, we, I got me and me and one crew guy and some, some part-time guys to help out once in a while. So I, I've, I build them, I design them, I, I race them, I fix them, I, you know what I mean? I, we, we take care of our own t-shirts, our merchandise. I mean, it's all, it was, it's all family ran. We do this all out of our pocket and our own, our own time. So when, when stuff like that happens, man, I get pretty passionate about it. And, um, you've seen it, you've seen it over the years. I've, I've been in a few confrontations for sure. Uh, but I mean, it just stems from, from how passionate I am about this, man. It's, uh, when that stuff happens, it messes with my livelihood. And I mean, I ended up, uh, I, I had to, I had to go home empty handed. They don't, uh, they don't, I don't get a paycheck for, uh, for not making the feature. So, right. I mean, I was out, uh, I was out a few thousand dollars because of that deal. And, um, it was, it was all I had in me to, to not go over there and uh, take that couple thousand dollars out on Bobby at the time. But. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you would have been the memorable moment of the seventh running of the gateway dirt nationals. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I would have sold some t-shirts for sure, but I, we got, I got a lot of fans and a lot of, uh, a lot of sponsors watching that yeah. deal. And, um, I mean, honestly, with uh, when I got out of the car, I I started over there because I knew what happened. But um, I kind of stopped, and I'm like, you know what? I better make sure that that, uh, that this was really his fault. So I stopped and I stopped and watched the uh, watched the replay on the jumbotron. And that to make didn't sure help. That, uh, <laughs> well, nope, nope. And then as soon as I seen as soon as I seen the replay, I got mad again. I'm like, okay, yep, that was him. I'm I'm going to have some words and. And by that time, they'd already hooked my car up, and they're starting to drive away. So I had to, I, I had to get back to the car uh, before they left without me. So um, thank God uh, things played out like it did, and I didn't, uh, I didn't do anything too stupid on TV. But um, we, who knows if, if I would have, but maybe would have sold some more shirts. <laughs> Rusty, here's where Rich comes into the game. Okay. Zach and I had to split up, right? So I did a lot of the pit area. You, you saw me back there all weekend, and Zach was up in the stands. As soon as you got on, on your car, as it was getting towed, towed back, Zach texts me and says, get your phone out. It's going down. <laughs> I did, and too. I, <laughs> I did. I said, they're pitting kitty corner from each other. Get ready for this. And so I st <laughs> I'm, I'm standing in Cody's trailer, and I'm watching. I see you get out, and you don't even look over there. I was so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, had you had, me, had, was, you, uh, had you had time on the ride to calm down by then? Well... The way I looked at it, man, if, if, if Bobby would have drove in there, if, if it was a different scenario, if he would have wrecked me, you know what I mean? If he would have actually wrecked me or Dro wrecked me drove purpose, into the side or, of you or, or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the only thing that really, I, I, I made, I made a little more sense of it in my head there and, and calm myself down because we've all made mistakes. I mean, it's not like he drove in and, and intentionally wrecked me. Uh, he wrecked himself. I mean, he, he he screwed up and, and took himself out of the race. And it just, it, I happened to be one of the cars that, that went with him. It's not like he did it on purpose. Normally. I mean, we've all watched Bobby race and then over the years, Bobby's raced me clean. I've always had a lot of respect for Bobby and Bob and uh, we've, we've got along great over the years. I mean, Bob, Bob Pierce and Bobby are, are a couple of people that I can actually call friends in the sport and, um, have a lot of respect for him. So, uh, if if he would have Bobby pierced me like he does to other people, um, I mean, if he drove in and gave me a dirty slider and put me in a wall, it, it would have been on. I wouldn't even have thought about it. We, <laughs> we you would have seen the old rusty slink come out uh, that you're used to. But um, I mean, it was just an honest mistake on Bobby's part. He, sure. he drove in and he screwed up. And 
It, it, He's got to pay the consequences too. So. Is that, I, do, is I, do that, give you, I do give you a nine point nine on the airtime. Great landing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> is that what played in? Because you you put up a uh, what I thought was t-shirt worthy update on your personal social media, and I see that since been retracted. Is that does that add to the cooler heads prevail and kind of well, re- or what what was that? Yeah, I mean. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I should, I, I don't take back what I said on, on social media. I mean, it, it was a bonehead move. I mean, that was, uh, uh, I, I would expect somebody, if, if I were to do the same thing, I would expect him to be mad and, and make a post too. I mean, sure. that, that's just, I mean, that, that's racing. We're, we're, we're allowed to be upset with each other when we do dumb things. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. Like I said, we're, we're racing hundred thousand dollar race cars out there and, when somebody screws up, I mean, if, if I did the same thing, I'd expect them to be mad to me too. What really, what really made me take that post down was, uh, things were getting kind of heated. His, his mom got on there and, and did her normal deal. She, uh, Oh, I missed this. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. She's, uh, she's always one to chime in and, and, and really get, uh, get things stirred up. She's, she's a loud mouth and, and, uh, says inappropriate things and makes them look pretty bad at times. And, uh, it was, I have a, I have a pretty big following. I don't have the, I don't have a Pierce posse for sure, but I've, I've got a lot of fans that were getting kind of heated and saying some things to, to his mom that were probably, <laughs> probably not PG 13. So, oh, I, I would um, never, I would never know who those people are <laughs> <laughs> out of respect for, you know I mean? Out of respect for them. I, I, I took it down. I mean, I, yeah. it, Angie, Angie probably deserves to, to, to have some of the things said that she, because she's always stirring the pot. She's, she's always the first one to, to, to really make them look bad. And, um, like I said, Bobby came down after the races and went to come to apologize to me and I was gone. Um, Bobby's, like I said, Bobby's always respected me. I've always respected him. We've always got along really good. So, uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get out of hand. People were posting things to, to Bobby and saying things about Bobby that, uh, that probably shouldn't have been said. And, um, I mean, we all screw up. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I was mad. I, I don't, I definitely don't take back the anger that I had. Cause I mean, it, it, uh, it cost me a pretty big weekend and uh, a pretty decent, uh, I think I had a decent car to, to really run good in that deal. So, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I don't take back what I posted, but, uh, the, the post was getting a little out of control. There was like 95 shares and 190 some messages. And I think half <laughs> of them were, were getting pretty, pretty vile towards his mother. So. Gotcha. <laughs> Rich, I want to. I want to. At some point, we're going to move on and talk future and and about the kids. But I want to go through some of while we're still talking dome. Uh, a lot of these questions on our social media, and I'm not going to read all of them, are directed toward the dome. Um, and uh, the the first one that I want to talk about is really uh, quite a technical question. This comes from Logan, uh, the one of the original. Uh, podcast hosts of this show, and in my opinion, a future motorsports, Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer. With the amount of horsepower the late models have, Rusty, do you in any way try to choke those engines down, um, or as he says, pull any horsepower away with timing or unhooking the four barrel or anything like that? Is there anything you guys try to oh, do yeah. to, to cut that? For, for sure, all of us do. I mean, you uh, you guys would be uh, the, the racing world would be shocked if they knew if they knew what I what I took to the dome and how we performed with what we did. I mean, we I feel like we had a I, we had a I, top I heard, 10 car there. I heard rumor mill that a magnet might have stuck to stuck to something underneath the hood of that car. <laughs> oh, for sure, it has stuck to a lot of things. Cool. Um, cool. No, we uh, we I, I literally took my kid's sportsman car. That was that was Carter's sportsman. Um, that he ran at Oakshade this year in the sportsman class. Uh, I took that same car he raced all year, put a new body on it. Um, 
uh, re, uh, redid a couple of the shocks to, to fit kind of what we wanted to do for the dome and, and get the right package on it that we wanted. And I actually pulled the motor out of my modified, which is a, it's a steel block, aluminum head, wet sump, uh, USRA spec motor. It's not even an open motor. It's a, it's a spec headed, uh, USRA motor. It's about 650 horse. So that's, that's what we took to the dome and gear the and piss out of it and uh, let her eat. <laughs> yep. We were, we were running side by side and, and out qualified, uh, um, pretty much the whole field. So wow. we, uh, we, yeah, you don't, you don't need everything that, uh, that you normally do at a normal racetrack. We, we, we made a plan before we went. I got a, we got a 950 horse motor sitting there in the garage that we could have took, but, um, it's just way too much for that place. And you got to choke it down and there's no, there's no sense of, uh, taking a, taking a big old gun like that to a knife fight. It yeah. was, uh, we, we just were conservative and, and took what we knew we needed. And, um, it, it was uh, it was going to pay off. I think it was, uh, it was a good choice. We had a had a really good car. Last thing from Facebook comes from one of our top fans, Brad. Um, and we I already know your opinion on this, so I'm going to skip half of this question. You believe there should be a work area of some kind for the Gateway Dirt Nationals. That's really the only reason that your night came to an abrupt end. What do you think that looks like? I've heard the idea of a uh, universal pit crew with you know, a stacks of tires that everybody invests in either through their registration money and you just get whatever's down there, put on your car to keep going. Or do you think there's a way that they can make space for the, at sometimes 15, but at max 20 crews that would be needed uh, to have an operational hot pit? Is there room? How, how would that look in your mind? I mean, either way, I think would be good. Um, I do like the idea of a, of a designated uh, hot pit. I mean, um, there could be, you, it wouldn't take much to have a, have a set of tires down there or a couple sets of tires and, and, and a few tools and, and have a couple people, even if we've got a, even if everybody's got to throw in five or $10 into the fund to, to be able to pay those extra crew members for the week, just to have somebody down there to change tires. I mean, I, I could have been back in that race and I feel like we have a good enough car that I could have, uh, I could have fought my way back up into the top three or four in that deal maybe. And, uh, because that was in the first lap of the race. I, I feel like I could have fought my way back up in there and, and still had a shot of, of putting it in the show. Um, best case. I mean, uh, it, it's, I, I feel like the fan, the fans are losing if anybody, because, uh, I mean, I promise you, you, uh, you piss Rusty Schlink off and, and blow his tires while he's running up by a transfer spot and send him to the tail of a, of a prelim or of a, of a prelim race there or qualifier race at the dome for, for that much money in front of that kind of crowd, you're going to, you're going to get a hell of a show. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like, uh, there's a lot of us, Jason Fager. I mean, there's, there's, there were so many people that, that could have benefited for that, that, that are going to put on a show when you send them to the tail. And I really feel like, uh, the, the show is, is, is being hindered by not allowing that because, uh, I mean, I, I'd have blew the deck out of the thing and, and, and put on a hell of a show trying to make it back up to the front. Um, and, and I think you can do it either way. I, there, there's enough room in the annex there where you where you go from the racetrack to the to the pit area that I really feel like you could uh, you could use that as the as the hot pit. Even I mean your your, your crew might kind of your, your crew might be hurt by it because they're not going to be able to be up in the stands. You'll have to have somebody down in between the in the pits and the in the uh, the racetrack itself. But I mean I could have uh, I could have pulled off to the side there into the annex and, and had my tires changed and, and never really left the racetrack floor and been been back out in, in a matter of two minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I just there, there's so many ways you can do it. Uh, Cody Cody seems to think uh, Cody Summer thinks it's gonna slow the slow the program down a lot, but 
Um, I mean, as long as, uh, as, long as you're not the, waiting on people. I think that's the least of the worries of that program being slow. Um, well, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I feel like there's enough downtime, especially in that wreck that I was in. Most of them wrecks take five or 10 minutes to clean up. And, right. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that you should wait for people to change tires, but you should definitely have that option. If you can, if you can get your shit changed to get back out there by the time, uh, every by sanctioning the time green, body, I mean, and, more power to it. every sanctioning body and every racetrack worth their merit, worth their weight has a rule on this, whether it's three laps or two minutes or whatever it is, you just got to come up with a yep. rule and stick to it. And if, like you said, if they don't get back out in that allotted time, well then tough. Uh, but you tried. Yeah. And I don't even think there should be an allotted time. I mean, I agree that if you, if you give everybody two laps or you give everybody two minutes, I mean, at the end of the weekend, that's going to add up to several hundred minutes. You know what I mean? Um, sure. So I, I, I don't even think that there needs to be an allotted time. I don't think you should get two laps, but you should at least have the option to try. I mean, if, uh, there might be times you get a flat and they go back green in a lap and you, you're, you're shit out of luck. But, um, I, I feel like most of the time you're going to be able to get, get changed and be back out there. Let's talk about, uh, because we want to get into it. Let's talk about the kids, uh, Colin and Carter. Now, uh, Carter really coming into his own now, uh, kind of talk about their 2023 seasons. Well, right now it's not looking good for anybody. Um, <laughs> Carter blew a motor at the end of the year and, uh, um, Collins, Collins race program is, is getting kind of shut down. Uh, his dad's, uh, him, his dad and him are kind of dissolving their program. So they're not, uh, Colin as of right now, doesn't even have a race car. Um, I plan on trying to get Carter, uh, we're either going to try and get him into a super late model or we're going to get him into a modified. I don't know which route we're going to go. Um, it just depends on kind of how much money we can uh, raise here in the off season for him. Um, whatever, uh, if we can afford to, to put him in a super late model, that's what I'd really like to do because he'll be able to, to race with me kind of wherever we go. Um, but if we've got to we've got to downsize a little bit and put him in a modified, I'm I'm willing to do that. I don't I don't want to keep him in the sportsman class at Oakshade. It's they they tear the crap out of him every week. He's a he's got a target on his shoulders. Unfortunately, he's Rusty Schlink's kid, and Rusty Schlink doesn't have too many fans at that racetrack. So as far as other drivers are concerned, so. Uh, Poor kids gotta gotta deal with uh, the wrath of, of of what you know. What I mean, uh, everybody kind of kind of gunning for him every week because he's my kid. So I don't really like that. Uh, I don't that that class doesn't pay enough, and it's not it's not beneficial to for him to go run for three hundred dollars every week. To to it, he's always got a car to win, and he's 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 very capable. I mean, he's he's a heck of a wheel man. So I wanna I wanna be able to get him in something that he can kind of showcase his talent a little bit and and try to try to move up the ranks. And I feel like I'm holding him back if I keep him in the sportsman class. And Colin, we're uh, we're just trying to find him a ride. I don't uh, stepdad can't can't afford three race cars. Little or you know what I mean I we're we're I'm struggling trying to keep two going. So I'm not uh, I'm not gonna be able to 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 feel the car for Colin. Unfortunately. Um, so we're trying to trying to find him a ride for the next for next year. So, if anybody knows of any seats open or needs a wheel man, Colin uh, Colin's he's proved himself uh, over the years, man. He's uh, he runs good everywhere he goes. So I think I think he'll find something. Um, if not, I I know I'll I, I mean I'll I'll probably throw him in my car once in a while um, just to just to keep him fresh and keep him on the racetrack. Uh, it won't be too often. I can't afford to do it all the time, but we'll make sure he's out there in something. And that's a hard deal. We just talked to Chris Hettinger. You know, he, he got out of the race car to pursue, you know, so his daughter could move forward and everything. And you're nowhere, nowhere near, near quitting. So, and so, and you know, as, you know, as much as anybody else, that's a tough deal. Oh, it is, man. It's, uh, 
just keeping my own stuff uh, going over the years is, is, is tough, but, um, I mean, I've got a, now, now I've got Carter going and he's, he's showed enough talent where I don't want to, I don't want to take away from him. I mean, I could probably make uh, Carter and Colin share a car or something, you know what I mean? And keep them going. But I feel like, uh, I feel like I'd be, I'd be hurting Carter at that point. So I need to, I need to keep Carter in the car full time. And, um, we're just going to have to have to put our heads together and try to try to find somebody to either let Colin drive a car or, or we'll, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll make something work for sure. Let's talk about this modified that's all of a sudden showed up in your stable, and not that you building modifieds is a new thing. Obviously, Chad has a domination race car modified, but this one, the difference was all of a sudden it had pink and white and yellow and a number 91 on the side of it, and I think that really surprised a lot of people. What is this car? Where did it come from? And and uh, is is this a domination house car, or, or what is this? Um, I mean, yeah, that, that you can consider it that it's, uh, this car was a prototype. I mean, that Chad, Chad has showed really good speed in our mod stuff. And, and honestly, I never really wanted to build modified. I just, I went into this being, being a late model guy. I've never raced a modified. I didn't know anything about them, but had people bugging me for mods and I finally gave in and, and built Chad one. When, and honestly, that car was pretty much just a, it was my late model and we cut the front front clip off and welded a welded a modified front clip to it and, um it wasn't it wasn't anything spectacular but it was fast he won a lot of races with it and um obviously that's that makes people want race cars when when you got chad out there kicking butt with it so we uh had a had a customer of mine another customer of mine with a modified out in missouri um that wanted me to build a, mo- a specific uh, just a, a purpose-built modified um try and find some more speed out of them um the construction of this this new car is is completely different so uh, it's uh it, it's it's got its own jig i mean it's it's nothing similar to the late model stuff in the past it's uh i've I moved the cage i've moved the rear end i've moved the front end i mean it's i, I built this thing on the floor to uh to be a modified it's uh it's specifically built to to be able to run as an imca car or a usra usmps ump pretty much whatever you want to do with it um and that was kind of what we did at the end of the year. We took it around to three or four different racetracks in different areas and in parts of the country at different sanctioning bodies and, and put different tires on it and made sure we could compete kind of anywhere we wanted to go and, and kind of prove that, that we got a good piece. We we went to Montpelier with the UMP and um, should have won that thing if the, if the driver wasn't uh, wasn't rusty. <laughs> we had to, it took took me some uh, took me some laps to to get used to the modified deal. Them, them small tires. I had a I had a bad case of overdriving the thing there for a few laps and ended up spinning it out. But I think we had a car to win that night. Um, and then we went down to ran an open modified down to uh, Mountain Motor Speedway and we won that deal on a on a really slick black or uh, I mean it was black slick red red dirt down there with with no traction. And, we uh, we kind of kicked their butt down there, getting some really good cars, and then we uh, we went and ran a USMTS US USRA style car uh, race out to Springfield, and uh, I think there were sixty three or sixty five something like that cars in the pits, and uh, we uh, we ran ninth in that deal um, nice. from nineteenth. We 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 drove to the front and probably had a top three or four car um, with my third race ever in a mod, so. Wow. I'm excited about what the, I'm excited about what what the mod deal is going to bring. Uh, I, I think we got a really good car, and I got a lot of got a lot of orders uh, that I've got to 
get got to get built here before the race season. So I'm excited you're, about it. You're going to be a busy guy. While we're talking about sales, I want to tell you one uh, small, funny little nugget. I think it's funny from the Gateway Dirt Nationals that just all came together today. While we were in the stands, my wife, we were walking up and she goes, I don't know whose team it's for, but somebody is selling flannel shirts. They're like flannel arms and, and flannel fronts. But they've got the racers, uh, whoever it is, they got the racers design on the back of it. And it's so cool, and I kind of want one. And she told me that at the end of Friday. And when we went back Saturday, we didn't see anybody wearing them. Well, then today on my Facebook, uh, Danny's post showed up of the new merch is in. We're getting ready to go to a gateway. Four days ago, right? This post was put up. I said, hey, I figured out why you were seeing so many of those shirts. It was because we were hanging out in their pit all day. <laughs> They're rusty shirts. So uh, tell Danny that she hit gold with those flannel shirts. If they didn't sell well, my, my wife might buy out the rest of them because she really likes them. <laughs> nice, nice. I actually think she sold out of them things. See? The, there but you go. We will... Uh... We'll have, I'm sure she'll make a bunch more. Uh, she made those, uh, she made those all on her own here at the house. Uh, she cut the t-shirts apart and sewed them to the flannels and then no did all kidding. the work herself. So, well, I'm, I gotta yeah, tell you, my I'm wife sure loves she'll, uh, she'll have a new batch here before race season for all sure. All right. Put us down for one. Cause we need one apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> got, got to ask you, man, just because I know you in, in the winter time, if you want to go racing, you just up and go and don't announce it. Um, you gonna stay home until the snow melts up here, or yeah, or are you gonna go do anything this winter? Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna pretty much stay around home. I got I've got I got seven race cars to build. Models to build right now, so <laughs> um, we uh, I got to stay home, get them things done, get everybody ready to go racing, um, and then uh, we'll probably start up. I'm guessing we'll we'll probably hit a couple of races, maybe end of February, beginning of March, um, and then uh, and then we'll probably won't do too much until the season kicks out around here rusty man it's always a pleasure to catch up with you um i know that it wasn't the result that you wanted oh rich you got one more thing i thought that was your yeah. one more thing no 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 I, I, this is my one more thing i got rusty i want to for me and zach i want to we got to thank you yeah. for your hospitality uh you and cody for putting us up for the weekend give us a place to work out of um that would have been really hard to do it without you guys so Thanks for having us. We we appreciate you uh, putting up with us for three days. <laughs> Not a problem, man. I always enjoy having you guys around. So we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll be there next year if you, uh, if you need a place to hang out. Chris, Chris tells us we're going back. So, yeah, we'll be under your feet again next year, it sounds like. <laughs> sounds like a plan. Cool. Rusty, man, thank you so much. Good luck with building those race cars, and uh, good luck when the next race comes around. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, huge thanks to Chris Ettinger. Uh, that was an interview I've been working on, Rich, for about a month. And as he mentioned, with Katie's schedule, he's been busy every Monday. It took him finally getting sick so he couldn't do anything to be able to get on the show. Uh, so appreciate that. Appreciate Gary coming on for Did You Know? And, of course, uh, Rusty Schlenk sharing his thoughts post-Gateway Dirt Nationals, Rich. And on the upcoming calendar, we go indoor racing once again. Yeah, last race I know of in our region for 2023, uh, the Rumble in Fort Wayne, December 29th and 30th. Uh, that is the Friday and Saturday of New Year's weekend. Uh, at the Expo Center in the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum, winged and non-winged midgets, several classes of quarter midgets and cart divisions. It will be a long day, but the midget races there, Zach, 
are worth the price of admission themselves. We've seen it. Yeah, no, I, you've seen it. I've never been. Uh, I've never been. Oh, you got to go. Oh, then you're going. I can't. Uh, we <laughs> talked about that today. I want to go. I want to have coverage of this, but uh, it's a tough weekend to fill down there. Uh, but it's going to be a good one for sure. Rich, after that, uh, we look CRA Banquet January 5th, GLSS Banquet January 13th, Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club Banquet January 20th. Nothing going on the final week of January to speak of because Chris Motorsports Park Speed Fest is January 20th as well. And then, hello, Speed Weeks uh, comes comes at us, and Season 6 of Horsepower Happenings comes at us too. Speaking of that, don't look for a brand-new show next Monday night because, hello, it's Christmas. Uh, and so next Monday night, not going to happen. We are going to try to put together a year-in-review show, Rich, uh, to put out that, that year or that uh, week of the new year because that'll be a, a weird week as well. We don't want to go two in a row without a show. Uh, are we working New Year's Day? Mm, for the smoke and mirrors uh, sense, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have a we'll have a pre-recorded year in review show uh, that hopefully will bring you and I together with uh, five of our closest friends. Um, you know, Chris and and Derek and um, Roger and and Char- Chuck and Ed um, yep. to do a year in review show like we always do. That'd be cool, but that means we have the next two Mondays off. What are we going to do? Uh, drink and be merry. Oh. It's that time oh. of year. Take a break before we start. <laughs> you roll on towards season four. Six. Here yeah. we go again, yeah, right? Well, hey, uh, again, want to say thanks to Chris, thanks to Rusty, and thanks to Gary for uh, everything. Thank you to Chris Mapes as well for, again, CNT Services and the Gateway Dirt Nationals, the hospitality from the Bowers and the Schlenks as well. Can't wait to do it again in 2024. We will talk to you in two weeks, same time, same place, with our year-in-review show on New Year's Day 2024. That show will premiere everywhere that you enjoy podcasts coming up in two weeks' time. Until then, uh, Rich, Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas, Zach, to you and your family. Uh, We'll see you in 2024. All right, we'll talk to you same time, same place. Two weeks' notice coming up right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.